Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. We're going to start this episode off with a question, like we always do. (laughs) Does size matter? Now that I got your attention, some of you may be snickering a little bit, but I'm sure you probably know that that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) The size of our dogs and our cats, whether they are purebreds or not, can have various effects on their physical health, behavior, and overall well So since they're all tuned in now, Miranda, why and how can size have an impact on our pets? Well, I'm not sure if this is something that people really think a lot about, but I'm sure you guys probably have some experience where you've noticed that size has affected your pets in some way. You might be aware of some of these challenges that can occur, but let's explore this in more detail. First of all, we're going to talk about health issues, exercise and activity requirements and energy levels, behavior and temperament, handling and interaction, living arrangements and space requirements, feeding and nutrition, as well as lifespan. So those are all the areas that we are going to cover today. I think that covers pretty much all of it. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) At least when it comes to large-sized animals. (laughs) So let's explore the health issues more. Large-sized dogs, particularly in purebreds, may be prone to certain health issues, such as hip dysplasia, arthritis, bloat, or certain types of cancers. Larger cats, such as Maine Coons, they could be more prone to conditions like hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, the mouthful, (laughs) but that basically is a heart disease, or joint problems, and some larger cats can be more susceptible to becoming obese, which can lead to a variety of health complications. So why is it that certain purebreds or large-sized animals are more prone to health issues compared to smaller animals? Well, it pretty much comes down to genetics, largely, because when they are bred to be a certain size, there's all kinds of genetic aspects that are connected to the genetic aspect of their size. But at the same time, small-sized pets, especially toy breeds, could also have specific health concerns like dental problems, tracheal collapse, luxating patellas, which is the dislocation of the kneecap, or obesity. And also keep in mind that regardless of size, dogs and cats that are born with or bred specifically for conditions such as squashed faces, dwarfism, or other such conditions are more likely going to have health health problems regardless of their size, just because it's just inherent with those types of conditions. Squashed faces are going to contribute largely to respiratory issues. 
dwarfism has other health issues that are connected with it. Yeah. And that can amplify the joint issues right. of a lot of animals. This is why we discourage strongly the breeding of animals for, you know, what people view as cute. Yeah. And a lot of these larger animals, they grow really fast. And that's partly genetic, but they're big Mm -hmm. animals. So Mm -hmm. they can grow really fast. And if they are eating too much food or not the proper food, a lot of the problems that these, not all the problems, but the joint problems that a lot of these bigger animals have is due to a rapid growth rate because it affects the growth plates of the animal. Mm -hmm. And so that does cause a big issues. And that's, I would think that's both dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. They just grow too fast. Yeah. They have to be treated differently. Mm-hmm. They can't be treated like you treat your toy breed. Yeah. It's important to be aware of the nutritional needs that different sized animals require and the calorie intake that different sizes require because that's going to have an impact. But size can certainly have an influence on the vulnerability of pets to certain diseases and conditions. So It's just being aware. It doesn't mean that because you get a Great Dane that your Great Dane is going to automatically have certain health issues. Chances are high, though. (laughs) (laughs) But But you can always take care of that. Yeah, and it depends on the breeder that you go to as well because there are some breeders that are switching to breeding that focuses on the health and well-being of the animal, which is going to probably change the appearance somewhat rather than focusing on the physical outer characteristics that have largely been focused on for however many years it's been. (laughs) Yeah, you see that a lot with Maine Coons. There's a lot of Maine Coons that aren't the size they used to be. Mm. A lot of Maine Coons right now are within 15 pounds to 25 pounds when they used to be 25 to 35. So they've gotten smaller over the years. And I would probably think that that's partially due to breeding health issues out. Yeah, that could be. So how can size have an impact on the exercise and activity requirements and the energy levels of our pets? (laughs) Well, most (laughs) large dogs are like lap dogs. (laughs) (laughs) They're sprinters. They're not endurance people. Greyhounds and sighthounds might be a different ball of wax, but... For the most part, they're sprinters. They don't do a lot of extended endurance type running because of their size. They just, they run and then they they can get tired pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, smaller pets, they might be able to have more endurance, but they're not going to probably be able to go very far. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're little tiny lungs. (laughs) So typically different sizes of pets will have different exercise needs, but not always. Generally, larger dogs require more physical activity and space to run and play, while smaller dogs can be content with shorter walks and indoor playtime. You may need to provide longer walks, more playtime, or opportunities to engage in activities like swimming or jogging for larger dogs, but some smaller dogs who are bred as a herding, sporting, or working dog may also require this same level of activity. As well, larger cats can tend to have much more energy and require much more physical activity compared to smaller cats. 
but again, not always, because <laughs> we have to remember yeah. that every animal is an individual. Yeah. And breeds like Bengals and Savannahs are different than like, say, your domestic short hair and your Maine Coon. Mm-hmm. They're different. So providing the appropriate exercise and mental stimulation for the pet that you have or choose to bring into your life is important for maintaining both their physical and mental health. So if it's a specific breed, learning about what is typical for that breed, but also taking the time to learn about the individual animal and finding out what they respond to and what seems to help them to thrive. Yeah. And I just want to add that you don't have to have a specific breed to have a large animal. There are many cats that I've, I've even had that I didn't know what their heredity was. They were just domestic short hairs. They were, I had no idea what breeds they had in them, but my Akiro, his whole life, he was 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's big for a cat. And he wasn't overweight. Mm -hmm. He was just a big cat with big paws. He was just, his dad was big and he was just a regular domestic short hair. I've seen other cats that are, and I think tuxedos tend to be, I don't know what it is about that coloration, Mm. but there are a lot of male tuxedos or the black and white cats that are very large. Right. The females don't get that big, but the males can get very large. And again, I don't know if it's just chromosomes, you know, a Y chromosome makes them bigger. I don't know, but yeah, it doesn't have to be a specific breed. My Akiro had issues that we had to deal with through his life. He would go ebb and flow. There was a portion of his life where he had asthma but that went away. He grew, grew that and he ended up passing away of multiple organ failure, which was very odd because it came out of nowhere, but there wasn't a breed associated with him. So just keep in mind that you don't have to have a breed like a Savannah or a Bengal or a Maine Coon mm-hmm. to have a big cat. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm sure there's probably dogs that are same oh yeah I'm sure they're just a mutt and they're just big mm-hmm. and they have the same issues. So behavior and temperament can be influenced as well to some extent by the size of an animal. They like to be lazy. (laughs) (laughs) At least big cats like to be lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, large dogs, and again, this might be due to more of the specific breed and how they've been bred compared to larger dogs that are mixed, but There's a lot of large dogs that may be more intimidating or protective, while smaller dogs may be more prone to fear or aggression if they are not properly socialized. Or I'm going to add as well, if they are not treated like a dog. (laughs) Yeah, I think that goes down to straight survival instinct. A larger dog doesn't need to fight for his survival as much as a little dog does Mm -hmm. so it might be an instinctual thing that they just bring with them and then we amplify by treating them like little babies i don't know why we do that but (laughs) they're dogs (laughs) (laughs) so training and socializing dogs of different sizes can present a variety of unique challenges larger dogs for example may require more consistent and firm training as They can be stronger and a lot more powerful. And some may also be a lot more willful or have a mind of their own. So repeated, consistent training 
as well as that firm training may be really necessary for some of those larger dogs. Smaller dogs, on the other hand, may need specialized training or support from an animal behavior specialist to help them to overcome the fear and the behaviors that are associated with that feeling of fear. So, you know, when we are carrying little dogs around or we, we tend to coddle little dogs a lot more than we do large dogs as well. So when we do those kinds of behaviors and we're treating them more like a baby than we are a dog, this could create feelings of insecurity in them and feelings of fear. So we need to be aware of our behaviors and how we are treating them. And if we don't catch our behaviors in time, then we may need to enlist a professional animal behavior specialist to assist with shifting that feeling of fear. Yeah. And regardless of the size of the dog, it is very important to incorporate early and ongoing socialization and sometimes training. Some dogs don't need to receive as much training as other dogs. It depends on what your expectations are, as well as what is really necessary for them to be able to interact appropriately with other people and other animals. But the socialization is very important. This will help to ensure that they are comfortable and well-behaved in a variety of situations. That goes for both dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. If you have one cat, then maybe make sure that they are introduced to different people, but they need socialization from both animals and humans. Yeah, because size can also influence the social dynamics among cats. Larger cats may have a more dominant presence in a multi-cat household, and they may be able to establish their position more easily. But we still have to keep in mind that individual temperament and personality are still going to play a significant role in the social interactions among cats. Yeah, my Akiro, he was just so big. He was just like, yeah, whatever. Don't mess with me. I won't mess with you. I'm just going to be here, but I'll love everybody. <laughs> he was like i mean he was twice the size of most of the cats in the house mm -hmm. but he was just uh, yeah i'm i'm just here mm -hmm. he was like the the uh, the if you go by the terminology alpha beta and omega that a lot of people use with with dogs yeah he was not an alpha he was not a beta he was an omega he was like i am here i would love all of you but don't mess with me mm -hmm. I, just, I am all powerful and I am here, but I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was a very different personality. Mm -hmm. And watching the other cats with all these other type of dynamics trying to fight amongst the hierarchy. And he was just sitting there on his throne like, yeah, whatever. Keep playing. Keep doing it. <laughs> You're never going to get to me. <laughs> it was funny to watch. <laughs> so regardless if it's a dog or a cat, or really any other animal, it's important to always remember that individual temperament and personality are going to vary widely amongst all of them. And they're all that's also going to be playing a significant role in the social interactions among both cats and dogs, regardless of what their size is. Yep. So how does size have an effect on handling an interaction? I just saw a picture of a big giant dog kind of walking a person down the sidewalk. 
<laughs> yeah, you sometimes see these small senior ladies or something that are trying to handle like a, a big boxer or something like that, and they have no <laughs> control over them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Handling an interaction is important, yes. and it differs amongst size and breed. Mm-hmm. So obviously, smaller pets are going to be generally easier to lift, carry, and manage, which, you know, there are going to be times where that's necessary. Like when you go and take your pet to the vet, being small is going to make it easy for you to lift your pet up onto the table or even just lift the carrier up onto the table. And it can also have an advantage in certain other activities like traveling. But as we said, if you choose to carry a small pet around just because you can, this is going to create stress because you're not treating them like a dog. Yep. Cats and dogs need to cat and they need a dog. Yes. <laughs> Turning the names into a verb. <laughs> Let your dog dog. <laughs> Let your cat cat, let your rabbit rabbit, sure. Yep. Big guinea pig. (laughs) You get the picture. (laughs) Yep. It's the best way to describe it. (laughs) On the other hand, though, larger pets are most likely going to require more strengths and precautions during handling because if they are more willful minded, they might not want to do what you want them to do. They might try to pull or bolt or something like that. And this is if you don't have proper socialization and training for them. A dog that is properly socialized and trained, there's not going to be as many issues of strength and precautions being needed. But you still have to understand what their needs are. You need to understand that they could still react if they feel like they're in a fearful stressful situation, but smaller dogs can do the same. It's just, they're not going to do as much damage. Mm -hmm. Large dogs that have a mind to stay where they are, are not likely going to go where you want them to go unless they are very responsive to your cues. Force will not work unless you're somehow stronger than they are and should be avoided. And we don't want to injure our dogs, cause them pain or cause them fear just to get them to do what we want them to do. That's not the way to go about it. Not if you want to have a good relationship with your animal. Yeah. And and a dog is looking for a partnership, not a master. So we have to get rid of that, you know, back to what I was saying about the this alpha dog mentality. Get rid of that because that's not how the hierarchy of dogs work. They have a leader who is partners with the rest of the pack. So it's it's a two-way street. It's not a you listen to me and you do what I say. And if you don't, I'm going to force you to do it. That's not how you handle any dog of any size. But it also goes to show you that a large dog is not a first dog that you would go to. Mm. You kind of need a starter dog before that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one that's a little bit more medium sized or small, actually even small dogs can be a lot of work, but yeah, large dogs are not first dog dogs. They may look cool. You may want them like a big mastiff to guard your house, but they're not for first timers. They're for 
people who understand dog behavior and they understand the relationship that you have to have with the dog to have a working partnership. Mm -hmm. Cats are a little bit different when it comes to handling and interacting with them because generally the cat size, you're going to be able to pick them up and move them where you want just in size alone because they're not usually that big that they're that difficult to pick up. Yeah, unless you get a hybrid. If you get a hybrid, you can be looking at a cat that's like 35, 40 pounds. And I don't know if that type of a cat is easy to handle for somebody who's say maybe small in stature right. or something like that. You know, I'm going to say it. We've said it once before. Hybrid cats are not suitable for domestic living. Mm -hmm. They just aren't. They have a different personality. They are wild cats. Even if it's a sixth generation, it's still a wild cat. Those savannas can get big. They are not easy to handle because they do not have the mentality of a house cat. They have the mentality of a wild cat. So they're constantly looking to patrol their territory. They will kill other animals because that's just who they are. They can be sweet. They can be great, but they are still wild cats. So if you're looking at a big cat like that, if it's a wild cat hybrid, that's a completely different category than, say, a Maine Coon. Yeah, I would say we'd probably be looking at, I don't know, a thousand years or something, like a thousand plus years before any of those hybrids could become more of a domesticated nature, if they ever become that. Yeah, I think Bengals are close, but Bengals also are not big cats. They mm -hmm. can get a little bit larger, but not by much, because the hybrid that they were made from was a small wildcat. Mm. So they do not have the genetics, say, like uh, Savannah has being bred with a serval. Serval is a large cat in Africa. Mm -hmm. And the Bengals have been around a long time. Right. I don't know how long, but they've been around most of my life. So at least 50 years. And so th they may have a little bit of a different category, but mm -hmm. they still are highly energetic. So they do take a little bit of work. Mm -hmm. just wanted to throw that in because right. <laughs> because when it comes to big cats it depends on what you're looking at like a Maine Coon is kind of like a flop you know mm -hmm. they don't really do a lot they rule over their castle in quiet presence most right. of the time <laughs> a savannah is not going to do that right <laughs> but a Maine Coon is also an older breed so take that for what you need to but yeah so if we focus more on the domesticated cats, the fully domesticated cats, the size of the cat is not likely going to have an impact as to whether or not you can pick them up and transport them. Yeah. But their size and their personality or temperament will have an impact on how you handle big time because how you pick up a larger cat is going to be different than how you pick up a smaller cat. But again, personality, some cats can feel extremely insecure and very much dislike being picked up. Yeah. They like to feel the ground under their feet. Mm -hmm. So you need to learn how to adjust your handling techniques with different cats to help to ensure their safety and comfort. So when we come back from the break, we will talk about the remaining areas that size has an impact on. And as you can probably tell, size does matter. And we'll go deeper when we come back. So stick around. We'll see you in a bit. 
Hi everyone, we hope you've been enjoying Season 3. It's been a great couple of years so far. Miranda and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season, great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be at the first in line, just head to YouTube, look for the Animal Files podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. Calm. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. And we are back. Before the break, we talked about four, count them, four important areas where size can affect not only your pets, but you as well. We talked about health. We talked about energy and activity levels, behavior and temperament, and lastly, handling and interaction. Well, we have three more key areas where the size of your animal can significantly influence the choices that you make, whether it's by default or consequence or through becoming aware and making conscious decisions ahead of time. Remember, larger animals are not first time pets, so you need to understand things ahead of time. So what are the next three areas that we have to focus on about animals of a larger size? Well, in this half, we're going to talk about living arrangements and space requirements, feeding and nutrition, and lifespan. So I think that living arrangements and space requirements should be a given, but I think it's not. <laughs> well, I think that's the dog's fault because some of these dogs, like I said earlier in the last half, are lap dogs. They're <laughs> giant lap dogs. And so you can have a Great Dane that is perfectly happy living in a one-bedroom apartment. Does that mean it's good for them? No. <laughs> so the dogs <laughs> probably have a hand in that <laughs> because they just want partnership. They want a human, so they're willing to accept less, but that's probably not the best for them. Right. Well, generally, larger pets are going to require more space in terms of their housing, such as a bigger yard, or a larger living area. Most large dogs, as we mentioned, are going to be more active and be more energetic. But again, there are some that are not going to be. But you can also have issues with animals like Great Danes who are standing so tall and then they get excited and they're wagging their tail and they're knocking things off mm -hmm. of shelves and coffee tables and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> So the size of dogs can obviously affect their suitability for certain living arrangements or travel situations. Great Danes, for example, could have a lot of challenges living in a one-bedroom apartment or traveling in a small hatchback because it's going to be a really cramped environment for them. Same with if you were to fly with them. Obviously, they can't fit underneath the seat. <laughs> no. <laughs> in the cabin of the airplane. So you are required to put them in the cargo of the plane. And because of their size, it might be more difficult to get them accommodated unless you go extra early and check them in to make sure that space is not run out of on that particular flight. <laughs> in essence, if you have a big giant dog, unless you have to, don't fly with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Drive with them in a big car. <laughs> yes. With lots of stops. Or if absolutely necessary, you can use like a pickup truck of some sort. Just make sure that they are in a suitable carrier that is safe for them and comfortable for them and is going to be protected from 
any debris that might be flying around. Yeah. Smaller pets, on the other hand, are going to be much more suitable for apartments or homes that are also small, like maybe um, a one or two bedroom bungalow, for example. And they're also going to be more suitable for traveling in smaller vehicles that have a limited space because they can go into one of those pet car seats or they can go into a carrier that can either be secured to the seat or secured on the floor of the vehicle. Larger cats as well might require more space to move around comfortably. Of course, if it's a larger cat that is not overly active and just likes to lie around a lot, a small apartment is probably not going to be that big an issue. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I would think that small apartments and small homes would only be an issue for the hybrid cats because mm-hmm. my in-laws have had two Maine Coons and they have a small house and those cats were perfectly happy, perfectly happy. One was a smaller Maine Coon, one was about 22 pounds, but yeah, they were like, yeah, this is our home. We're just going to chill. <laughs> it was easier. Mm-hmm. But the hybrid cats, they need to wander. They need space. But if you have a cat that tends to have a very active personality and they like to run around a lot to burn off their energy, most cats will have periodic zoomies. But there are going to be some cats that are more active and are going to run around a lot more. So if you are already aware, of that type of activity level in your cat and you are planning on moving, you want to make sure that you move to a place that's going to be big enough and set up in such a way that is going to allow them to get that activity without potentially injuring themselves. Or go back to our previous episodes about catification (laughs) and set up your home for those particular cats. Mm -hmm. There is one YouTube channel that I follow and I'm sure you guys have all seen them. It is Penny the talking cat. And they have a cat, Betty, who is nuts. Nuts. (laughs) Like pictures of them climbing the drapes and just going out of control. They literally set up an entire room with a climbing wall for the cat. Mm. (laughs) I mean, what they did was amazing. Like a burlap thing. And Betty climbs that and is up high all the time and plays with the toys. And it definitely from what I've seen so far, has helped Hmm. Betty's activity level because she was nuts. (laughs) And now she's got an outlet. Mm. So Mm -hmm. go back to our catification episodes. I'm sure there's going to be some information in there for you. (laughs) Right. And they don't have to be big. They can be (laughs) small cats. (laughs) But what you might need to consider for larger cats is that they may require larger litter boxes. Well, they will require larger litter boxes because... You want to make sure that the litter box is at least going to be large enough that their entire body can fit inside because otherwise you might find them pooping outside of the litter box. And you want to also make sure that they're going to have enough room to be able to scratch because they don't want to scratch and be hitting the sides of the litter box as they're doing. They may also require taller scratching posts. So usually the ones that have the platforms are usually reasonably tall, but there are the ones where it's just basically a post. And some of those can be pretty short. Yeah, they're little. Yeah. It doesn't allow larger cats the opportunity to really stretch up and like get that stretching motion. That's (laughs) when your couch pays the price. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
and they'll need more spacious resting areas. So some of the beds you can get for cats can be way too small for a cat the size of a Maine Coon. So you need to keep that in mind. You might not be able to buy something that is an appropriate size for your cat, and you might have to create something yourself. Just get a dog bed. That's what we did. Yeah, I guess that's an option too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just got a dog bed. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, when we had Maisie and Frankie, they were always sharing the bed together. So we also bought them a a larger dog bed so they can both sleep in the bed together comfortably. Yeah, a bed is a bed. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It doesn't have to have a cat on it. (laughs) And if it has a bone on it, just get the bed. (laughs) The cat doesn't care. (laughs) They just want comfort. So when we can provide an environment that accommodates the size and needs of a cat, and a dog, this is going to be really important for their physical and mental well-being. So that also means like a, a backyard. A lot of suburban and city homes have relatively tiny backyards. So a large dog is not going to get their exercise and activity levels met through being in a backyard. Feeding and nutrition. Big one. <laughs> it is. As we mentioned before, a dog's nutritional needs can vary greatly based on their size. So larger dogs, I think, make sense that they're usually going to require much more food than a smaller dog. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I had to get a little snarky there. (laughs) I mean, some people think that all dogs eat the same and not. I mean, obviously, people who are experienced with larger dogs know that it's extremely expensive Mm. to feed a larger dog. And they're also going to need a different feeding routine compared to smaller dogs. Mm -hmm. So what we need to keep in mind when we are feeding animals in general is that we need to make sure we're not just focusing on the size and the calories based on their size. We need to be also considering their activity level and their metabolism. So if you look at the packaged foods that are out there for dogs, if they are appropriately created, large breed dogs are going to require a different formula in order to meet their nutritional needs compared to that of small breed dogs. So if you see dog food out there that says suitable for all breeds, do not buy it. No, that might work for cats, Yeah, but that's not going to work for dogs. No, because that's basically saying that company has absolutely zero knowledge about dog nutrition. The main difference between a small breed and a large breed dog is that their calorie and nutritional intake is going to vary. So you might be surprised then to find out that large dogs actually need less calories and nutrients per pound of body than small dogs. Typically, we would think that, oh, a large dog, because they're bigger, are going to need more calories. But small dogs typically have a much higher metabolic rate than large dogs. Yeah, their hearts beat a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you've got a dog like a Border Collie or one of those types of dogs that are highly, highly active, they are also going to have a higher metabolism. Yeah, activity level is not the same as size Yes, when it comes to dogs. And what I was saying in the first half, You want to make sure that your large dog does not grow too fast. Yes. Because that's going to cause problems with the growth plates. And then you're going to have more joint issues. Mm -hmm. It's generally not overly harmful for small breed dogs to eat large breed dog food 
on occasion. They should not be getting it on a regular basis. So please don't make the mistake that if you've got a large dog and a small dog, you can just buy large dog food and feed them both the same food. Yeah, not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> you need to make sure that you get the appropriate food for the size dog that you have. So if you've got multiple sizes, you're going to need multiple foods. <laughs> a small dog is not going to get the specific nutrition that they need to maintain their high metabolism and support their overall health. It's important to remember that we need to provide a balanced diet appropriate for any size or breed of dog that we might bring into our life. So we need to take into account their age. We need to take into account their activity level. We need to take into account any specific dietary requirements or sensitivities because some animals can react to certain ingredients. And we need to also take into account their individual needs. Yeah, you can have one breed of dog that they may have food allergies or allergies in general. There's a lot of purebred dogs, both large and small, that have skin issues that have just because of breeding. Mm -hmm. So every dog, and even in the same litter, say you have a litter of mastiffs. Well, one of those mastiffs may have completely different nutritional requirements than its sibling mm -hmm. or than the mother. So we need to take into account the individual animal to make sure that we're supporting that animal's health. Mm -hmm. So essentially we would start off with their size and be thinking, okay, it's a small dog. They need this type of food or it's a large dog. They need this type of food. You start off with that, but then you pay attention to other aspects so the food that you feed may have to be adjusted. Maybe the quantity has to be adjusted. Maybe the type of food needs to be adjusted. Maybe there needs to be specific needs met. So these are all things that will need to be taken into consideration. Very rarely, I think, can we start off feeding our pets one type of food and feed them that same type of food for the rest of their life. Now with cats, because we don't have the same variation in size that occurs in dogs, they're not going to have a variation nutrition-wise in relation to their size. They all have the same nutritional needs. The only thing that's going to really shift is the quantity and the calories that they might need to accommodate for their size, metabolism, activity level, age, and any other specific individual requirements. So obviously a more active cat is going to need more calories and more nutrition than a more sedentary cat. Yeah. And if you have a sedentary cat, especially a larger sedentary cat, don't free feed them. Right. A very active cat, you can be safe free feeding. Mm -hmm. But if they're sedentary, do not free feed your cat. I think there's a lot of overweight cats out there because either they're being free fed or fed way more than their body really needs. Or in some cases, it's because they are being fed extra out of quote unquote love. Yes. And because we are the animal files and we like to expose the truth here, the type of food is also a big deal mm -hmm. for both dogs and cats. The cheaper the food you feed, the less nutrients is in that food. And the more your cat will eat trying to get those nutrients. So if you have a fat cat and you're trying to limit their food, but you're still feeding them meow mix, you're going to continue to have a fat cat. 
And Meow Mix is McDonald's for cats. It's, it's okay if that's all you can afford for the time being, but it is not a healthy life sustaining food for long term. Mm-hmm. And on that same note, if you read the packaging, a lot of times the packaging is telling you the serving size to get the proper nutrition, not the serving size for calories. Mm. So they may have you giving a cup of food a day, but that's the only way the animal is going to get nutrition and that's too much food. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Check our past episodes on nutrition. We always talk about nutrition, but that's a big part of all animals' diets large, small, to make sure that they get the proper nutrition that they need for their overall health and well-being. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that can happen, and this happens in the human side of things too, is that we put animals and people on diets with the intention of reducing the calories, but without really taking the nutrition aspect into account. And when the body is not getting proper nutrition, it goes into starvation mode. And if it's thinking, oh my God, I'm starving. I'm not getting enough food. Well, it's going to hold on to all the fat that's there. It's not going to let it go. And you'll see that most often with cats because cats have to have meat. And a lot of the low calorie food limits the meat, limits everything really. I can tell you, and I am not a vet. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just going to disclose that. But Feeding my cats a raw meat diet, no kibble, no nothing. Frankie and Maisie, yes, they were young, but they were in optimal, optimal health until they got sick. They had the right weights. Maisie was a little underweight because of the issues she had early in life. But when we started feeding raw, freeze-dried meat, just raw freeze-dried meat, my cats were healthier than if I was to go to a specialty diet. The same thing with Tic Tac. Before Tic Tac passed away, we started giving her raw food and her health. She had more quality of health before she passed than previous 18 years. Mm. So keep that in mind because cats need meat. Yes. Period. They do. And I think that we should clarify as well that, you know, because you mentioned about how you were feeding that to Maisie and Frankie until they got sick. So people might be wondering, well, why did they get sick then if they were feeding, getting the healthiest food? Yeah. If, if people haven't heard the podcast before that say Maisie and Frankie were born with feline leukemia virus. Which is similar to AIDS. Yes. It's something that you can't get rid of. They're born with it. They, it stays with them the whole life. And what it does is it it compromises their immune system. So things like cancer can take hold pretty quickly. And both Frankie and Maisie got cancer and within two weeks they were gone. So despite the last two weeks of their lives, they were extremely healthy and it had a, a really good weight level for their size and for their age. They, I mean, even Maisie at three and a half, that's kind of when cats, especially female cats get a little bit of a pooch that hang down. She was svelte. She was in perfect, perfect weight class for her size. Mm. And that was because of the meat. And then of course, Spike, we've had conversations about Spike. Spike, I upped his meat and it got him healthier. So just 
go back to our nutritional episodes. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big part of owning any size breed of dog or cat. Yes. So our last category that size can have an impact on is lifespan. It's a big one. Mm -hmm. I think all three of the ones that we talked about in this half were pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But lifespan is one that kind of takes people by surprise sometimes if they don't understand or it makes them avoid getting a certain breed because of the lifespan. Mm -hmm. So it does play a part in how many of these big dogs have really good homes. Mm -hmm. So if you're not already aware, the size of a dog is going to have an impact on how long they live in most cases. The way that it generally tends to work is that smaller size pets are going to live longer than larger size dogs. But this is also going to vary depending on the species, depending on the breed, and depending on individual factors such as genetics and their overall care. So if you were looking at getting a dog like a Great Dane, you might be only having that Great Dane for five to seven years. They don't tend to have a very long lifespan. But smaller dogs, such as Shih Tzus, for example, they could live 15 to 20 years. With larger dog breeds, they will usually have a shorter lifespan due to factors like growing a lot faster higher incidences of certain health conditions, as well as genetic predispositions. Doesn't mean they're all going to die at seven years, right. but the majority of them will. Right. And again, back to the nutrition, that's going to play a part in how long. The cheaper the food, the shorter the lifespan. As well as your general overall care, because the more you can do to make sure that they're getting their physical and mental needs met and their stress level is limited, you know, as much as possible. So if you focus on the overall well-being of your pet and make sure that you are providing them what they need to thrive, that could end up extending their life a bit longer. So with cats, on the other hand, the size is not going to have as much of an impact on their lifespan. It's more for dogs. However, maybe a larger cat may have a somewhat shorter life than a smaller cat, but their size difference isn't that huge. So most cats are going to still live 15 to 20 years if they are cared for well. Yeah, you just may have to deal with things like a larger heart. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, I think Maine Coons can get congestive heart failure. Yeah, well, we did mention that at the beginning of the episode about cardiac. Yeah, and I don't know what caused Kiro's organ failure, mm. but it was multiple organs in one shot. Mm. So it started and then I healed him with my energy work. And then he had seven more months and then his body just said, I'm tired and mm. it all came back and then he was gone. So I don't know if that was indicative of his size. None of his other siblings had multiple organ failure. Mm -hmm. His brother was bigger than him and he didn't have that, but he was dealing with a lot of asthma and stuff like that. So maybe there was some type of lung heart issue that he was dealing with that they only were treating the lungs. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if that was even tested. I know he had lung issues as a larger cat. So take that for what you want. I'm not sure if it's his size that caused that, but I've never had an animal with multiple organ failure that was normal sized. So, mm -hmm. so if you listen through the whole 
episode, you are probably getting a really good idea about how size can have an impact on your pet's physical health, behavior, and their well-being. But we also need to always keep in mind that individual temperament, genetics, socialization, training, and any of the other choices you make daily regarding your pet's care is also going to significantly play a role in your pet's behavior, health, and well-being. So in order to encourage the best health and well-being of your pet, make sure you provide them with the proper care that they need, which is going to include regular exercise, enrichment activities, mental stimulation, playtime, veterinary care, and a balanced diet. Regardless, regardless of how big they are. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, size does matter. (laughs) You can chuckle now, but yes, size does matter when it comes to your animals. So if you have any questions, just feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at the animal files podcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, which is theanimalfilespodcast.com. All of our socials are there. There are lots of ways for you to get in touch with us and also ways to support us. So make sure you go over there and you can even listen to the podcast straight from there, which is probably the easiest place to listen to our podcast. Hmm. Just go to the website. I mean, we're everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, we're on all the major ones, so check us out check out the other episodes share it to your friends and let's build our family and help these animals i think we covered everything i believe so all right well we'll see you guys next week for another great episode of the animal files podcast bye for now thanks for listening to today's episode if you enjoyed the show please be sure to rate review and recommend the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts if you want some more great info be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com